hello, here we are again uh, with another podcast from the University of Oxford. Today we're going to be looking at issues around course choice and we're going to talk a bit about the selection process that the university uses and I'm delighted to be joined by a number of colleagues. Uh, I have Lucinda Rumsey who is a tutor for admissions at Mansfield College uh, and is also an English literature tutor. I have Richard Earle who is a fellow of Worcester College and is the organising secretary for mathematics and Steve Roberts who is a material scientist and tutor for admissions at St Edmund Hall also known as Teddy Hall, (laughs) which is how we'll probably refer to it from now on in. If we can look at some of the issues, I think, about people's application to Oxford, I think many applicants and maybe some of the people who advise them think there are games that can be played about choosing a course, choosing a particular college. Um, Steve, if I can come to you first. You're a tutor for admissions, and and we'll we'll talk to you wearing that particular hat at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, When people apply to uh, Teddy Hall... When you're looking at their application, you are not necessarily thinking about them just as an applicant for Teddy Hall, are you? You're thinking about a much broader range of issues than that. No, and in fact, being an applicant to Teddy Hall, um, it's not something we... is a question of interview. We're not interested. It's, it's irrelevant why someone applied to that particular college. In fact, they may not have applied to Teddy Hall. They may have been allocated to Teddy Hall, having made an open application. And certainly when I'm doing interviews, and the same is true in other subjects... Um, Candidates are interviewed at more than one college, and it is quite common for people to be made an offer by a college that interviewed them that wasn't there first on the list, um, or even another college altogether. So there's nothing to be gained or lost by going for one college other than another in terms of chance of getting in. If you want to choose a college, then choose it on the basis of other things. You might like the look of it. You know, you might have a friend that's going there. Uh, you might have been to an open day there and, and like the tutor you spoke to or the people you spoke to but trying to do it trying to play games with with statistics of I stand a better chance of getting in for this subject at this college because there were more or fewer applicants last year it doesn't work and it's a waste of effort. Lucinda one of the things as well that maybe people fail to appreciate is when you are sitting in the interview you're not there as tutor for admissions for Mansfield College you're there as an English literature admissions tutor. Yes, and we, we're interviewing uh, for our subject and we're interested in getting the stronger student for that subject. And we often don't know whether the candidate has applied first choice college to us. And we're looking always for the, the strongest student. Uh, we're not you know, interested in anything else other than that, uh, the student with most promise. And I think potential and, and trying to identify potential is something the university's focusing a lot of effort on nowadays. Um, Richard, your subject's about to introduce an aptitude test. There's been testing in mathematics and computer science for a number of years at interview. The plan is to to do that sort of testing in advance. The main reasons for that are really because of the increase in application numbers. We, um, as Lucinda's been saying, we we interview, we're looking to find the best people. Uh, Applications have gone up in mathematics and a test that we've previously sat uh, students have sat in in Oxford will now be earlier will be shortlisting slightly using that so about 80% of people will then be interviewed based on um, that test score based on their UCAS form and so on but um, then at interview uh, we're interested in how good a mathematician we have in front of us and we're also as has been sort of said already we're interviewing 
for that college because often they've applied or been assigned to that college uh, and we're interviewing there but we're also interviewing on part of the subject as a, a whole degree so if we see a good person we might not have a place for we're very interested in then saying to other colleges we all talk to one another and we're very interested in saying to the other colleges we've got a very good person here we may well not be able to take them this year but this is someone who really deserves to get into Oxford and so it isn't really about finding the college where your chances are best because we're all going to talk to one another and try and get the best people in from the whole cohort. And I think again this is something maybe that students and their advisors don't appreciate that there's a lot of discussion goes on mm. once people have been interviewed. Steve do you want to? Yeah I mean in, in the smaller subjects and indeed in some of the the larger subjects um, there's simply one list of all candidates across all colleges certainly materials that's the way we do it and then the, the, all the information from the forms, from the interviews at all colleges put together and all the tutors look together at that one list. So there really isn't um, any advantage or disadvantage in which college you apply to because it's the subject you're applying to rather than the college. Some candidates will be very keen at this stage to know what they can be doing to prepare for the aptitude tests. Is there any suggestions, any advice or are these tests that really students can't prepare for in any way, shape or form? Uh, they can prepare to a certain extent um, in that one of the best things they can do is be on top of their actual schoolwork or college work, that they actually understand the A-level uh, or IB material that they're actually seeing. It's a general rule of thumb that they should be aware of what's going to go on during the admissions period or the test period, uh, so they should be aware of the format of what's going to happen. It's a good idea to have a look at the sample tests that are on the web have a look at those, try them, get a sense of how much, you know, it's two and a half hours as the maths test is, comfortable time for them to be getting through the test. Just, you know, take the edge off any potential surprises, but beyond that we're not really expecting people to be doing lots of work in preparation, just, just get a sense of what's going to happen, both as regards interview and the test, and then just give your best. Uh, there's not a great deal you can do beyond that. Yes, I think we've, we've tried to ensure that the tests don't require students to do work beyond the requirements of their post-16 study. Um, listen to the English test. Do you feel that there's much other than with kind of knowing how the format of the test is and, and having a sense of the timing and, and the, the, the style of the test that students can do to prepare? No, I, I suppose some um, students may have more of experience of doing this than others, but the, the test is... Um, a set of passages in all on a theme and uh, the candidates are expected to compare passages and so if for instance a, a candidate thinks they don't know anything about poetry or they don't know anything about drama then they might find it useful to try and read a little to get some sense of the kind of form of different genres um, and to practice comparing two pieces of writing I mean it's a bit like the kind of Thing that you do in the synoptic unit of, of A level, uh, but they will obviously be doing that probably before they're doing the yes. synoptic unit. So, um, if really the test is supposed to help us see whether candidates can write in a short period of time about a small amount of text for which they don't have to have any background knowledge, mm. and so it shouldn't be something that one should have to prepare for. But if one is prepared to read widely and is interested in reading, then uh, one will be advantaged. But and we'll be looking for that from an Oxford that's applicant. Exactly, anyway, yeah, yes. that's what we're looking for. So um, it's just a, another way of, of seeing whether candidates are interested in reading. A lot of 
applicants assume that there may be some subjects are easier to get into and some subjects are more difficult to get into and they may actually try and apply to a subject that they've got not necessarily the greatest interest in but it's the idea of being able to get to Oxford that really motivates them. I would think that you you would be able to see through that. <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult to pretend in an interview that you are fascinated by a subject which you're not fascinated by when you're being interviewed by people whose whole life is working on that subject. And you can't do it very easily in two half an hour, 40 minute interviews. It's impossible to do it in three or four years, over three or four years when you're, you're working as a student. And you have to work so hard for our subjects um, that there is no point in applying for something that you don't think that you were passionate about studying, really interested in studying, because it will be um, definitely the case that you end up not doing so well as you would do if you were applying for something at another university that you really enjoyed studying. Mm. Um, Steve, what do you think about students who are basing their course choice on, on outcomes, you know, I want to do this particular type of job, therefore this is the only degree for me. What, what's your experience of that and something which on the face of it, something like material seems a very vocational subject, is that the experience? Well, quite the reverse. I mean, obviously there are some subjects where medicine, law, where there is that degree of focus, but even then people change into these subjects later on, or conversion courses. But materials is basically a, a good general physical science education at a degree level but what we find is a lot of the um, the science graduates go into careers in finance in the city in more or less anything because companies see them as being bright numerate problem solving people and that's what they're looking for the the actual degree course is not nearly as as relevant to a choice of career as people think okay. I think people should do what they're interested in and, and worry about their career to some extent later. And I think, of course, many employers are they are also interested in how well you do on a degree and obviously you're much more likely to do well in a subject that you're enthused by and fascinated by and excited by exactly. rather than thinking this is a route to a particular type of job. Lucinda, um, I think the other thing that often people fail to appreciate is that you can do a subject uh, at university in... Uh, a discipline that you've maybe had lots of experience of, you've done it as GCSE, you've done it as an A-level, and then you also make the rather false assumption that it's going to therefore be exactly the same at A-level, uh, at university, sorry, and that all universities are going to teach it in exactly the same way. I mean, for something like English, where there's all sorts of different permutations, how, how you know, what should students be looking for if they're looking to come to Oxford, do you think? Well, well, the thing they should think about, yeah, when they're looking at all their university choices is... Um, what they are really enjoying doing and what they want to do in their degree and they should check the detail of the course. Uh, the English course at Oxford is primarily a chronological course in that it deals with literature from the beginning to the end. And so if, for instance, they're very interested in studying primarily um, 20th century, 21st century literature or American literature, then the Oxford course is probably not the best course if they want to do um, uh, drama and performance or creative writing. Those are things that you can do in Oxford, but not as part of the course. Mm. They're, they're extracurricular. So um, we do get quite a lot of applicants who come along even as far as to the interview without ever having really looked at what the syllabus is. So they should work, look on the English website and find out what the course is about so that when they're asked in an interview, how do you feel you will cope with uh, studying the medieval uh, literature or studying Shakespeare? Look, you know, they sometimes look white and shocked and say, I had no idea that I was going to be expected to do that. Mm -hmm. And 
at the interview is not the place to find it out. So, I mean, one of the best things candidates can do in preparation for, for putting together an application is to look very carefully at the, at the courses that they're applying for and to realise that Oxford isn't the best place for every, every subject of every sort. So there are lots of different university courses out there and um, they should check that they get the right one for them rather than just want to come to Oxford because they think Oxford must do the best of everything. It doesn't. I think that's a very helpful note to end on and I thank you uh, Steve, uh, Richard and Lucinda for uh, your input into this particular podcast. Um, for those of you who want to follow future development of the podcast we do have a website www.admissions.ox.ac.uk forward slash podcasts and obviously you can also download the podcasts from a variety of different sites including uh, iTunes. For those of you who uh, wish to follow up on anything that we've said today or maybe have ideas for future podcasts then please contact us using uh, the email address podoxford at admin admin.ox.ac.uk Thank you.